see that, Toronto? Sweetie, use crazy kick? Yeah, why? Wait, how are you so calm after witnessing that? Oh, I get it. Because he's such a noob. Welcome to Toonie Japanese, a podcast where two dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And he's just a scrub. He's Andy. <laughs> I don't want no scrubs. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. And I'm from the Giga Pro Wrestling League. I'm Bill. I'd believe it. Right? You look like you yeah. belong in there. Urgh. <laughs> hey, Bill. Hi, especially once I get the uh, their whole Rowan look going on. Yeah, I was gonna say your your beard looks a little uh, a little more trimmed today. Yeah, I trimmed it down a little bit. And nice. It uh, I realized it looked really faint when we role played last Friday, and you were giving me crap about it, but that was actually just the lighting. Like it's it looked. <laughs> I looked at myself on the screen and realized it was way lighter than it actually looks in person. That's why we don't do a video podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We 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 stick to audio. Our beards are just not always up to our lighting effects. Right? Uh, hey, we're here to talk about episode 18. No, scratch that. Episode 6 of season 2, however you want to say it, of One Punch Man. And we are getting far, far along in this anime. And it's the episode is titled The Monster Uprising. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, we will do that. But before we do that, we like to do a little segment on this show called Nerd News. And I'm going to start with just a little bit. So Final Fantasy VII Remake came out a while ago at this point, last month, and I'm just now starting the game. It is It has been a good experience so far. Uh, a lot of people have kind of you know, been very positive about it. It's gotten good reviews, not extremely Game of the Year positive type reviews, as I think a lot of people were expecting, a lot of like 8 out of 10 sort of reviews. It's fun. Remind me, you played Final Fantasy VII, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I played your Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, you did. That's right. I think I still have that original copy, in all honesty, um, with all my stuff. But um, I know that, you know, one of the things between you and I, it was, I always found it kind of interesting when we, you know, first got to know each other was that, like, you never played a lot of, like, the real classic games. Like, you had a Sega, like, obviously, and, like, you played a lot of the Sega stuff. But when it came to, like, classic Nintendo and RPG kind of stuff, if it wasn't, like, Diablo or... What was that really cool RPG that you had for the computer that was, like, kind of point-and-clicky... Oh, do you remember that game? You had this like really oh, badass like RPG game. Yeah, the you said it was kind of point and clicky. Yeah, that was. Um, God, I wish I remember what that was called. That was such a cool game. Yeah, what was that called? I know what you're talking about though. Oh, yeah. I'm putting you on the spot here. Maybe we'll look it up later and 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 edit in the name of that game. Hey, it's future Andy here. The game that we were thinking of was Betrayal in Antara, which was a game that was developed for Windows 3.1 and published in 1997 by Sierra Online. Great, great game. But yeah, like, I know that you you weren't really, like, big on, like, you never, you never played, like, Final Fantasy, like, the big SNES Final Fantasies or Chrono Trigger or anything like that. My first system was a Genesis. Yeah, and you played a lot of, like, Sonic and and more, a lot of Mortal Kombat and, uh, and things like that. Golden Axe, Mortal Kombat, oh, Light yeah, Crusader. Golden Axe. I forgot about Golden Axe, so that's a thing. Yep. 
That's fantastic. But I know that when you got a PlayStation, like you, you really played a lot of like those classic RPGs and Symphony of the Night and all that. Have you been at all interested in looking at the remake? I'm interested. I just haven't got around to it. I, uh, I have definitely lost video game drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I borrowed uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 from Thirk, played it that first day, I installed it, and I haven't touched it since. Oh, yeah. I, I get that with Red Dead Redemption 2. It was not a game that I particularly enjoyed. I only played a little bit and watched Ray play it back in the day. Um, I was kind of bored by it, honestly, and the gameplay and mechanics. But So it's not just me. No, I, you know, it, that is another game that got pretty good reviews, but I don't really understand why. Like, I don't think it was as good as a lot of people were saying. The controls seemed really clunky and old school, and it seemed really slow-paced. Well, that was what kind of my thought process was. Everybody was giving it stellar reviews, and I just couldn't really get into it. It's Rockstar. It's a giant game. Right. It's a sequel to a beloved game. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake has been really fun. I'm only about five hours or so into it. It's interesting because I have also had started playing Final Fantasy VII again over for like the 5,000th time, the original one. And uh, at about the five-hour mark, I was out of Midgar and, and already at the, the City of Calm and going on to the Chocobo Ranch and all those things. Uh-huh. And in this game, I am, uh, in the remake, I'm in Sector Seven slums when you first go to the bar. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know some people have criticized the slow pace of the game and how much they pad it out. And I can see there are some points where I agree with that, where the game does feel, like, extremely padded out. But, like, at the same time, it's also really neat to just kind of see the world and and kind of wander in it. And, you know, you go from, like, oh, I've just blown up a reactor to, oh, well, we're just going to go immediately go blow up another reactor. But, like, well, the reality is, like, if you are wanted criminals, you'd probably want to lay low for a little bit before you just go blowing up another major point. Right, absolutely. (laughs) So is it worth the 60 bucks to play a third of the game? Um, That's kind of stopped me. Here's what I would say for anyone who is not like... Anyone who really wants the game has already gotten it, I think, at this right, point. Right, right. Uh, anyone who's just kind of curious or whatever, I would suggest just waiting. Just because with the current health situation, what it is, and, and game production, just like everything else being slowed down, you don't know like when they're actually going to finally get around to that second part. That's kind of where I was at. I'm... I'm getting frustrated buying games, and yeah. then there's all this DLC, and then a year later it comes out as Game of Year Edition, if it's worth playing, and then it's got all the stuff in it. So I would either A, wait for that, like, you might wait a few years. That's kind of where I'm at. And just wait for the Game of the Year Edition and play it. I think it's still worth playing. Uh, I have my complaints with it so far still. I think one of my biggest complaints has been, you know, for a game that is so new, and, and, and I know that graphics aren't always everything, and I've always, tra- like like, you know trumpeted that fact that like graphics shouldn't be the defining factor for a video game but like man some of the the details on like buildings and like you get up close to something and it's like super pixelated and you're like you could have tried so much harder to like make it look just a little more beautiful oh really yeah like just some of the environments it's it's mostly environmental stuff and i think it's the smaller things that i think maybe they were just like let's just push this game out as quick as we can and not worry about going back and fine-tuning some of them but like there's a few doors i walked by and i'm like that looks like something out of the PlayStation 2, but all right. <laughs> that door's painted on. <laughs> That's not even real. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it's fun. Um, a lot of the added stuff with the characters and, and the storylines have been a, a lot of fun to do. Oh, good, good. Oh, they actually added storylines and stuff? Yeah. Um, they, I think one of the things that I, I disliked about the original Final Fantasy VII is that the story was so confusing and it took a long time to like finally understand like who these people are and know what the threat actually was. 
And here they, they do a really good job, you know, because you could cut away and have scenes, you know, big cinematic scenes with characters and really kind of they spent time developing who President Shinra is a little bit and those like his flunkies a little bit more so far from what I've seen. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And like minor, like not like substantially, but enough that like you, you kind of get like more of their personality. M- minor characters that just kind of show up and you're like, you know, they, they, they give them time to kind of unpack them. It's it's been it's been a good experience so far. Well, I mean, we were always kind of lost with the original anyway, so. It took me, I think, until my third or fourth playthrough until I finally fully got the story. Like, figured out what the hell was going on. Right. And I and I didn't play it three or four times, so. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so that's my my nerd news. Uh, do you have anything you wanted to add for this week? Uh, the only thing I really have is I saw a couple of uh, Oscar winner, Oscar nominees. Oh, like, like, like uh, Oscar nominated movies? Yep. What'd you watch? Uh, I've seen Parasite now. Is that the foreign film that won? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Korean movie. Korean movie. Okay. Yep. How? What? Can you can you give me like a thirty second elevator pitch about what that's about? I. You almost can't give you an elevator pitch without ruining it. Okay. It is. What's the genre? Can you give me like genre or anything? Not really, because it really. It, it there's a little bit of horror and a little bit of crime and a little bit of thriller and a little bit of comedy and a little bit of drama and it's okay. It it seamlessly sort of drifts back and forth between these two couple different genres. Okay. Nine couple. Do you think it was really good? Oh, it was super good. Really? Me and my wife really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed every second. And it's long too. It's like two hours. Wow. Um, but we really enjoyed it from start to finish. It it's the intersection between a very very wealthy family and a oh. poor family. Is about the only thing I can say without. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It. See it is all I can really say. What'd you watch it on? Uh, Hulu. Is it on Hulu? Yep. Really? Okay. Yep. Cool. Uh, I will definitely have to check that out then. Absolutely. I I highly recommend it. And then okay. I saw Joker last night. Oh, what is that? Is that on Hulu too? Uh, no, we got that from Redbox. Okay, because I've been wanting to watch that. I just haven't gotten around to it. Now I've heard a lot of mixed things. Like critically, a lot of people really liked it, but like most everyday. Viewers seem to not like it. What was your take? I really liked it. I think Did it you was. Really? Yeah i I was not sure about it when they announced it. I wasn't rushing out to see it. It is not a typical comic book movie mm-hmm. by any means. Again, it's one of those things I don't want to say too much because I'm afraid <laughs> I'll ruin what. Yeah, yeah. The gravity of it, but does it? And you don't have to answer if it does spoil it a little bit. Like, is it? Kind of like a Suicide Squad where it's its own thing and some of the tangential stuff outside of those characters that are part of that DC universe are just like never really touched upon aside from like the little cameo of like Joker and Batman. Uh, It tells its own separate story or is there like a bigger intersection like to the larger world? No, it tells its own story. Okay. This movie could, with very few clips, Mm -hmm. like tweaks could be its own movie about its own mentally unstable protagonist. Without having the Joker association? Yeah, yeah. Or if the Joker didn't exist and, you know, that nobody was ever called the Joker before and you didn't know who the Joker was. Right. It could it could stand on its own. There would be only just little tiny clip clips here that would make it that way. Yeah. Uh, I imagine the highlight was Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix was amazing in it yeah i 
that's the one thing that, like, obviously a lot of people have said is just his portrayal of the character and his acting chops in general in that movie were phenomenal. There's definitely something to be said about this person has mental illness, so they're violent and dangerous. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit of that, and that, that kind of bothered me as I was watching it. Well, that's been a problem with that character forever. It is. I think maybe they did it a little bit better in this movie than usual. There's a lot more to it than just, he's crazy, so he's dangerous. Yeah, it's it's and it's weird having him be the protagonist of this movie. And he really is the protagonist. He's not just a villain protagonist. He Yeah. And it does a good job of maintaining the Joker mystique, too. Right. Like, you don't feel like, oh, he's been completely cut open, so you don't know who he, you know. Did they lean upon um, things like the killing joke that, like, give, like, a version of... Because I know, like, one of the things with Batman is the Joker, we don't know his actual origin. We're just kind of... We're given different versions from him throughout, like, different comics of what could be. Right. Um, is, 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 does it pull, though, from any, like, pre, you know, pre-existing comics that you know? A little bit. Definitely the idea that he is not a good comic. Like, he wants to be a comedian, he wants to be funny, and he is terrible at it. <laughs> that part is definitely hung on pretty hard. Okay. Um, that's about, I mean, they didn't go into the Red Hood stuff or any of that, mm-hmm. so. Okay. Very cool. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's another thing I'll have to add to my list to view at some point over this break i recommend it fantastic uh i think that's probably good enough though i think we should get into our review of one punch man bill are you ready it's my week yes i'm ready for your week fantastic we open with saitama and his big buddy sour face uh they're watching the crowd pop for sui ryu i think is how it's how it's pronounced yep yep the, i might uh... call i'm the former seven-time champion? Yes, the former champion. I'm probably going to call him Ryu quite a bit. Partly because it's easier to say, and partly because I, it's a fighting tournament and it's like Street Fighter. We get a match between Sui Ryu and Lightning Max, who, if you remember, I believe won his match in the first round against Ring Ring? Yes. Okay. Uh, so we must be in the round two at this point. Um, a lot of the different first-round fights apparently are already taking place. So Ryu starts pondering if Max is better than him. Like, essentially, like, we get a little bit of inner monologue here. And then we get, like, the creepiest of smiles. And I really wish I would have taken a picture as I was watching it to, like, show you right now. But, like, I don't know if you remember. But it's, like, a creepy freaking smile. Yeah, this Ryu guy, Shuri Ryu guy. Yeah. He's a little weird. Yeah. A hundred percent. He reminds the viewer about Deep Sea King and basically talks about how... Max, like a lot of other heroes, were kind of shown up when more powerful contenders, monsters, what have you, have appeared that aren't even superheroes, which is kind of a running theme of this episode. Of this season in general. Yeah, this season, like, kind of questioning, it comes up later in this episode in particular, like, very straightforward, like, questioning the idea of the significance of superheroes and whether they need to exist at all, um, which I find really kind of interesting. Um, He says... This Lightning Max guy, he's just a scrub. Lightning Max claims that if he can't win this match and get stronger in the process, that he's no longer fit to even be protecting the people as a superhero. So there's a lot of stakes, apparently, for Lightning Max here, at least mentally, on himself. Stay. Oh, stakes sounds so good. I need to go. We need to finish this so I can order from that restaurant. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't shout them out until you have it and find out it's good. I, I will. I will not say the name of the restaurant. If I get it, it sucks. Then that's it. Uh, the match begins with Max rushing with extreme speed, like his name says, uh, going for his lightning big wheel double axe kick. Kind of hoping he'd actually be riding a real big wheel, but anywho. Uh, a really big wheel. A really big wheel. Just a fucking huge unicycle. Like that one Gallagher had. <laughs> yes! Uh, okay. Are you pro or anti-Gallagher? <laughs> I think I'm general. I'm I'm pro Gallagher. Okay, it's one of those like you go back in time. You look at these like '80s and like early '90s comics, and some of them like were like super popular for their time. But like you wonder were they actually good or not? And I think I'm like very pro Gallagher. I haven't seen Gallagher since the '80s. Okay, so I'm currently pro Gallagher. What about Bobcat Goldthwait? I think he is. <laughs> This is comic cast. We're just, yeah. Sorry, we're, we're getting a diver, diversion here. Bobcat is funnier and a better comedian than people give him credit for, including himself. Okay. Like, he doesn't need to do the stupid shit he does, like set the couch on fire or chair or whatever it was. Um, I don't think he even really needs to do the stupid voice, because that's not his real voice. No. That's, a, that's a character he puts on. Right. Um, I think he's probably a lot funnier of a guy than he acts. Okay. Last one. Margaret Cho. Pro Margaret Cho in general. <laughs> okay. Um, some of the stuff she, I, again, I can see where she's controversial. I can see where some yeah. of the stuff is a little irritating. Yeah. But again, I think she's probably a better mind. <laughs> right. That was our first uh, dry run of uh, of our comic cast. If you, if you like that, let us know. Send us an email, tuningjapanese at gmail.com, at tuningjapanese on Twitter, or facebook.com slash tuningjapanese. Um, hey, we're not actually doing that. But anywho, we go back to the episode here. Uh, unfortunately for Max, Ryu hooks him with a kick. It sends him barreling off the edge of the arena. And uh, yeah, that's it for Lightning Max. A one kick, and he's done. One kick man. One kick man. It's one punch man versus one kick man. Ryu says that he got stronger to live the easy life. Apparently this is the easy life. So again, actually, we're kind of setting up an anti-Saitama. We are, once again. Somebody who wants no challenge, wants to live an easy life. Right. Hey, Bill. Yes. Theme song! We... <laughs> we go back and the fans are cheering at Lightning Max's defeat, and we get a ton of reaction shots. Sourface is floored by the intensity of Ryu and his kick. Genos marvels at how a Class A hero could be so easily bested. The Shui Ryu guy might just be a match for Saitama, according to Genos. And Saitama just looks unimpressed. As he will. Yeah, as as he is wont to do. Genos then gets a phone call, interrupting uh, his enjoyment of everything he's seeing here. And I'm assuming it's about those hundreds of monsters running amok. More on that in a little bit. That warns phone call. That does warn a phone call on his little flip phone. Uh, we jump right into our next match with the winner getting to uh, get the unenviable task of taking on Ryu in the next rounds in the next round, which is Ben parts of the way of the cruel. Mm-hmm. That's a Trigun ass name if I've ever heard one before uh, versus everyone's favorite bottom of the A class snake bite snake. I like how the guy's name is Ben parts. Ben. <laughs> Do you think it's like Ben parts five? <laughs> Ben Farts Pies? Ben, ben Farts Pies? Uh, <laughs> so these two... There's these a podcast. Two, there's, a, there's a podcast title. Uh, TM, TM, TM. Um, so... 
I don't mean the podcast title. I mean, uh, there's a podcast. Oh, that's, no. <laughs> so they banter for a bit. But Snack is uh, most concerned with beating this man, uh, the beating the man who beat Lighting Max to increase his own ranking. He says if he could beat Ryu in the next round, maybe he'll no longer be the bottom of the A class. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. That's fair, yeah. So they start to fight, uh, but we switch to the control room booth where the word of the monster invasion finally has arrived. <laughs> they're like, hey, guess what? There's monsters everywhere. And they're about to call for an evacuation order and stop the whole tournament. But the champion, former champion, uh, Bakuzan, the big guy that kind of looks like the end, end boss in like a Tekken game, yep. he tells them that causing, uh, you know, like calling for an evacuation would cause a panic. The Saiyan. The Saiyan. Essentially the Saiyan, yeah. With all these masters of martial arts in the same building, wouldn't this just be the safest place for all these people to be anyway? That's decent logic. I agree. I a mean, little, a little cocky, but not terrible logic. Yeah, I mean, out of character, we know they they would be fine. They've got Saitama here. We should be good. Yeah, we they don't know that, but, no, but yeah, even don't. even knowing, hey, we got a lot of great fighters standing around here. Eh. <laughs> so instead of warning Saitama and shortening the episode's runtime to six minutes. Uh, Genos goes ahead and decides he's going to go take on the monsters in this part of the city himself. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I kind of wish Genos had told Saitama because this episode, for me, as we'll talk about at the very end, drug on a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, though. Uh, oh, and by the way, Snack won this match. Yes. Yes. So, speaking of these monsters, we go back over to Genos, who's in the city, and he just incinerates some sort of monster. We don't even get to see it. Uh, it's just a giant crater on the ground that's left. And apparently, he finds out there are five monsters total. Well, four now, I guess. Uh, in City City. <laughs> yeah, now, now there's four. <laughs> now there's four. And he's on the hunt for the remaining four. There's like all these townspeople. They're like, oh, one went that way. Oh, one went the complete opposite way. And he's just like, I will be diligent. I will defeat them. I have jetpacks. So that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I could just jetpack around. It's true. Um, we get quick flashes of fights for the fighting tournament. We get Bazuzu versus Boltane, and Boltane wins with apparently some sort of electric strikes. Yeah, he's a, he's a superconductor guy. Yes, yes. I did not write very good descriptions of these people, so I apologize. I know we talked about them a little bit in the last episode. I think we went over pretty heavy last episode. Yeah, so if you're, if you're not familiar, go back to episode 17 of our season 5. Uh, if you're not familiar, they don't matter. They honestly, most of these will not. Uh, Gatling defeats uh, Hamu Kichi. Uh, with a series of bullet-fast punches. He's got Gatling gun arm fists. That's weird, too, because there's a hero that's Death Gatling. This show has a lot of weird carryover. Yeah. Like, there, isn't there, like, a Lightning Max and a... Yeah, there's a Lightning Max and a Lightning Genji. Yeah. And so... there's Gatling and Death Gatling and... Yeah. Dave defeated Loji <laughs> by sitting on him. I love that. There's just a scene of him sitting on this guy, and I'm like, yikes. I still it's... love Dave. It's like the uh, it's like the coming into prison scene from Idiocracy. Yes, it is a hundred percent like that. Oh, I want to watch that movie again. Actually, I don't want to watch the movie again. <laughs> uh, and then Chose, which is a dude in a long sleeved red shirt that has crazy fucking eyes, uh, defeats Mente. Yeah, uh, he's like the powering. he's like the Aryan serial killer guy. He he is because later on he goes on this whole rampage about how like he is the genetic superior. He, yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. I did not. I didn't like any of that. No, I. That's in my notes. <laughs> okay, good because I, I I hated every minute of that. Yep. 
So we go back to Genos again. He rocket stomps some big red bug and then chokes the life out of what I think is the spawn of the Green Goblin and Shocker. The Green Shocker? The Green Shocker. <laughs> I don't know about that. He uh, basically says, like, where where are they? Where are the other two? Shocker Goblin. <laughs> Shocker. I actually, let's go with the Green Shocker because I do not like the Shocker Goblin. <laughs> I do not like the Shocker Goblin. Is it the, the title? <laughs> There's our episode title. Some of our episode titles this season have been a little raunchy. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't quite time that to get you to spit your pop out. <laughs> you, you were a little off, but it's okay. Uh, hey, tournament time again. Jakuman uh, from Giga Pro Wrestling takes on Sourface. We know Sourface. He's yeah, the guy. Sourface been... versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Saitama shouts, kind of shouts encouragement. He kind of just speaks encouragement <laughs> from the sideline. He goes, do your best. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. I don't care. Uh, which Sourface totally takes as an insult. Because he, he's like, psychs himself because he's like, this dude is big. He's strong. He's scary looking. And then we get like the inner monologue of this wrestler guy. And he's like, that guy's face is scary. <laughs> <laughs> like a true professional wrestler. Not He looks like a badass, but he's he's not as much. Uh, we go back to Genos once again. So there's some scary looking stitched together red monster with two swords who's ready to cut down a citizen who says, he says to the citizen, give me your face. Ugh. Things you don't want to hear. <laughs> no. Uh, he gets blasted by Genos. Uh, but unlike the other two, or other three that Genos has already destroyed, this guy does not die so easily. He says, this will be a challenge, and he wants Genos' face as well. I mean, it's a pretty face, but... Yeah, canonically, he's supposed to be handsome. That's true. I think he wants to wear that face, though. <laughs> well, no, but if you're going <laughs> to wear it... Wear a pretty one. Yeah. Genos is forced onto the defensive for a while uh, as the big giant sword guy is like gives a flurry of slashes and some of them actually damage Genos's arms. Uh, it's looking really bad when he connects a blow at the t- on the very top of Genos's head, which you think would probably slice through it because you feel like that's one of the only like slightly more human-ish, like less android parts. Like, like you know he's a full android, but like it's a little more fleshy looking. Well, he's not a full android; he's a cyborg. Yeah, okay, he's a cyborg, that's true. But then again, I have metal plates in my skull, so... That's fair, so you're a cyborg. Well, we already know you're a cyborg, Bill. (laughs) But yeah, it looks like it's going to be really bad, but then the sword shatters, and we find out that Genos has a reinforced skull. Me too. (laughs) You and Genos, one and the same. Genos snatches this dude up by the mouth and electrocutes him to death with what he calls the high-voltage fist. (laughs) He just, like, grabs him by the mouth and the jaw. It's just, it's really kind of brutal. We cut away for the blast, though. There's only one monster left. You ever had a high voltage fish? Yeah. Uh, high voltage fist? I'm not Josh, so no. <laughs> uh, there's only one monster left. Um, just, just grab a 9 volt battery and cram just, it in there. Just cram it in there. Uh, oh, that means, Bill, there's only one monster left in which multiple heroes apparently have tried and failed to take on. Um, we cut to a scene where he's found those heroes, one of which is a tea kettle for a head. Sure. <laughs> And he's talking to the other one, and uh, one of those beat-up heroes warns Genos not to take his eyes off his opponent because he was always behind them. Speaking of which, that monster says, ah, Class S hero. And it is a cockroach man. I can think of worse things to be. I mean, fair. Like Like a teapot head? Yeah, that's true. This cockroach man says he's hard to get rid of. I mean, that's true. It's a cockroach. Yeah, they survive nuclear blasts. Yeah. Eat anything. So I feel like this could be a good matchup for Genos here. He had trouble with the mosquitoes, so... 
That's absolutely true. Hey, speaking of matches, let's go back to Sourface's match. He makes Jakuman tap out, winning with some sort of chokehold, and they celebrate with tears, mighty tears flowing like waterfalls. Tween waterfalls. <laughs> Tween waterfalls. Um, Saitama misses the match. He was in the bathroom. <laughs> Saitama is very regular, we find out this episode. It's because of all the bananas he eats. That's true. I also eat a lot of bananas, and I also am very regular. Are you on that lady's diet where she, like, eats a whole bunch of bananas to lose weight? No, I just like a banana a day. She eats, like, 27 bananas a day or something? Holy balls, that's a lot of bananas! Oh, yeah, no. It... I mean, you're going to get a lot of a lot of vit- vitamins there, but... <laughs> well, I'm just a potassium plug. <laughs> Bonk! <laughs> Oh, that sounds terrible. You know they're giving away bananas, apparently, at the mall today. At the mall today? Yeah, apparently, like, that, outside the mall. That's the their mall. plan to get people. I don't know. I know there's a pandemic, but come get bananas. <laughs> apparently, outside the mall, either today or tomorrow, I can't remember. I think it's today, like, hy was like, I saw a post online, hy just giving away a boat, like, I think, like, a ridiculous amount, like, of thousands of pounds of bananas. <laughs> we have too many bananas. I guess. We, we were going to have a lot of bananas. Oh, I, almost, I, almost, I almost went. said. <laughs> I almost went because I just love freezing bananas and making smoothies out of them. Okay. Glad you finished that. <laughs> to make smoothies out of you. Oh. Anywho, Saitama's ready for his next match, which Sourface warns him about. Says, like, hey, you don't want to, like, take this guy too lightly. This is, like, a former champion. Uh, and the whole time, it, it's actually a really good bit. The whole time, like, we zoom in on Saitama's crotch, and he's just trying to retie his his belt. Uh, for his, his like kung fu, his like his like martial arts outfit, because he had to take it off to pee. This damn belt, and he can't figure out like how. Thank you for the link to the bananas. Um, <laughs> um, he can't figure out like how to like tie it back up, and it's actually a pretty good bit. Hey, more round two action. Saita- more on action. Uh, what? <laughs> Is it more Sa- on two action. Uh, more round ra- round two. Uh- <laughs> Site, uh, I mean, Shiranko is going to take on Bakuzan, the two-time champion man. They, as in the show creators, decided they were not going to waste any time to have Saitama versus one of these champions. Why should we? I mean, I guess ultimately you're right. And, and I guess in all logic, he would be seated very low if they think he's Shiranko. No, you're right. Yeah, the way se- the seating system would work. That's 100% right. So the announcer talks up Bakuzan, and there's even a medical team ready to carry Saitama's like bloody body away which I appreciate that little bit that was a fun bit too Bakuzan talks some wisdom um, essentially for Saitama to listen to but Saitama ignores it all he's too busy with his belt uh, which leads Bakuzan to drop uh, all of his fun words and, and, and encouragement uh, to simply just say I'm gonna, I'm so gonna kill you he just says I'm so gonna kill you <laughs> so before he actually starts fighting. Bakuzan basically walks through all the moves he's going to use on Saitama, because Saitama you know, claims, like, I'm a newbie at this. Like, I just want to learn about martial arts. So he says, alright, let me tell you what I'm going to do to you. First, I'm going to give you my Demon Sweeper Low Kick, and then it'll break your legs and you'll never walk again. Then I'm going to give you a Bear Killer Mid Kick, which will break both your arms. I'll follow it up with a Carnage Punch, which will make all of your major organs explode, and then I'll bring down the hell-bringing hand chop to split your skull open. This is a fighting term and not Mortal Kombat, right? Supposedly. <laughs> but when he touches Saitama's head uh-huh. to showcase his hell-bringing hand chop, uh, he also touches Saitama's wig, 
which pisses Saitama off. That, that you don't do. You don't. He uppercuts this dude and wins the match, and Bakusan is literally a human lawn dart. <laughs> and that's it. One punch. It's in the show's name. He's literally a human lawn dart. Yeah, yeah. He gets stuck into the ground. So me and Pokey are drinking tequila, throwing him at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And me trying to stay as far away from all of you as possible while you do that. Yeah. Okay. And later that night, Pokey was beating a, a upside an upside down bucket with a with a stick. <laughs> that was a very drunk night. I I wasn't that drunk. I'm just reckless. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's go get a drink and forget about that moment while we head to the break card. I can use a beer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the break card. My name is Andy, and you're listening to yet another episode of Tuning Japanese, a podcast where Bill and myself this week run through another episode of One Punch Man. We sincerely hope that this finds you in good health and everything going well in your lives. I know this is a time of complete uncertainty and it's the new normal unfortunately for now and we're just all trying to get through this and we hope our podcast can be one of those little bright moments that help you get through this tough time as usual we'll mention our patreon at patreon.com slash tuning japanese totally understand if that is out of your realm right now to help support the show in a monetary way if you're able to we'd appreciate it helps us pay all the bills that go along with producing this particular show we just started putting up our show notes that you can get for as little as $1 a month for Season 4, which was our review of Wolf's Rain. So you can get those episodes, notes, that basically go through what we read through the episode as well as some additional information and such. Now we're releasing all of that on Fridays at 9 a.m., if you want to donate a little bit more, you can get our bonus episodes and other content, including physical rewards, once again at patreon.com slash tuningjapanese. If you're unable to help out in a monetary way and you want to still help our show, you can tell a friend or family member or loved one about us that might enjoy our show. Or you can leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you listened to today's podcast. I cannot stress enough how that small action that takes just a little bit of time out of your normal day can really go a long way of helping other people find us. A lot of those things, they'll use those comments as part of their algorithm for promoting our shows. And we could use that tremendously, just getting some more ears on our product. We put a lot of work into these, so we would appreciate if you could help us out in that way, if you can't, in a monetary way. Once again, with our hearty hope that everyone is doing well in this trying time, let's go ahead and get back to our review of One Punch Man. We're back from the break card, and I forgot to mention before the break card, um, right before, and I guess we'll just we'll start our, our next scene here. Uh, Sui Ryu has, was watching that fight, by the way, with Saitama and Bakuzan, and he says, yeah, you can take people down in one punch. I'm going to do the same thing in my next fight. Yeah, he's he's no dummy. He's figured out that Saitama's dangerous. No, he's very smart. He's not cocky like the rest of... I mean, he's still cocky, but he's not cocky in the way that like he's not going to recognize someone's strength. Exactly. We cut back to the kid from the park from earlier, the one who essentially uh, kept getting visited by uh, Garu. Yep. And he's in his house, and he looks like he is having a panic attack. He's anxious as all heck. He's reading all of his books. He's got like them all scattered around the living room. He's watching a news report on the monsters. And when news comes about Lightning Genji being injured and unresponsive, he drops his book in fear. 
That's basically that whole scene. The kid's not dumb either. He's figured out that uh, an unprecedented time is upon them. Yes. And he should stay home. Yes, he's smart. Uh, he has heeded Garu's uh, warning and taken it to heart. And not take weapons to a state capital and then demand that the monsters <sighs> let, let them unevacuate. Uh, topical. Hey, we're back at the, into the streets. <laughs> well, you know. You know. We see two men in suits, I assume people from the Hero Association. They found Mohican and Pineapple, who have been bested. And they ask, like, where is he? Where is the, the man and his kid? Man, I think they've been worsted. They have been worsted. The guy's son, Waganma, has been kidnapped, apparently. The Hero Association, we cut to them. They're, they're at, a, at a meeting, and they're pissed off and upset because Mr. Narinki, who is the father, represents 7% of all of their funding. And they're like, hmm, with his kid being gone, I bet that'll look bad for us. <laughs> yeah, he won't pay us monies. <laughs> uh, they, all, they also find out, rather, that Metal Bat has been bested at this time as well. We return to the fight between Genos and this Bugman, and uh, Genos is having trouble keeping up with him. He's missing an arm, like, he's he looks beat the hell up. Genos is always missing arms. There must be a warehouse at the doctor's place, at the, at the scientist's place, just of spare arms. You think they would uh, give him extra arms just so he could be ahead of the curve? Yeah, like he could have like a, um, oh, he could have like a like a Punisher cross kind of deal, like like Wolfwood, where like he opens it up and he's just, instead of guns, it's just full of arms. <laughs> like a different type of arms. I was thinking like Goro, but. Ah, oh, Goro his ass up. That'd be so cool. He could incinerate times four. Time Slayer, yeah, dong arm. Oh. Later on in this episode, we're going to see a dude with arms for nipples. So just just wait. Just wait. <laughs> you could have a donger arm. You could. <sighs> Where was I? Uh, Genos talks up a strategy that he was afraid to use. Essentially, it's like 30 seconds of him being like, the, you know, the, my, my science doctor, blah, 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 man, said to never use this unless we really had to. And, and, and like, and the guy's like, what is it? Is it bug repellent? And like, you know, we're kind of making fun of him. And it turns out to be super strong adhesive from his boots. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently a tactic that he had saved for his adversary, speed of sound sonic. That makes sense. Yeah. To slow down someone, you know, keep him, keep him right there. He uses incinerate, which burns down about a block of the city. And it looks like it burns down the roach, but Gino says, huh, he must have ripped his legs off in order to escape. Like roaches do. Like roaches do. So, there you go. Something else is approaching, though. We don't see what it is, but something else is approaching. But first! Something! Yes, something. Dun, dun, dun. Back to Fubuki. Remember her? Yes. She's still she's still taking on that COVID mask succubus super mistress super S. And uh all of her lackeys apparently have been put under the monster's spell. They've been succubied. That's what the monster do. That's what the monster do. They're boner zombies. They are I forgot about you called them boner zombies last week. <laughs> uh, against all odds, Hellish Blizzard remembers Saitama's warning about not fighting on her own from several episodes back when she got her spotlight episode a bit. Yep. And he was like, you know, they're just like, you know, if you want to be really strong, you've got to fight for yourself. Um, and she kind of remembers that. And as she remembers that, all of her flunkies are coming after her. She has to use all of her power to hold them back. And she gets savagely whipped by Mistress S. Gets a little kinky in here. 
Yeah, yeah, I think last episode we said this is going to get a little kinky. It's a little fan service this this whole fight. Because you already have Mistress S in her outfit and her get-up with, the, like, several shots of her, like, boobs jiggling and her thong um, and her ass hanging out. And then you have her, like, whipping this other, like, kind of sexual, somewhat sexualized female character and her clothing gets ripped. It's, uh... It's very fan service She's a she's definitely a fan miss fan service as they would yeah. call it in TV tropes. I yeah, a hundred percent. So the mistress plans to use Fubuki, who she assumes now is a boner zombie as well. Damn it, I just used your term uh, <laughs> to essentially draw out her sister, which was her real target, Terrible Tornado, who we haven't seen in a long time. I know it's it's weird that she's been absent so long. She was like featured quite a bit in season one, but like season two, like she's just not really been around. Um, unfortunately, though, for Mistress S, she doesn't realize that Fubuki's will was strong enough. She has enough willpower, and she's kept her mind uh, under her own control. Uh, and she says, don't worry. My sister probably felt the pain that I was under anyway, which I have questions about. But <laughs> Well, they're psychics. I guess. They're I, psychic I, I, sisters. Yeah, I guess. They have a connection. Cue massive explosions in the arrival of Terrible Tornado. <laughs> she don't fuck around. She doesn't. I think that's part of her being the number two ranked power is she just does not care. She destroys everything. Mistress Super S finds her monsters all destroyed and realizes as Tornado whips in that she better get the hell out. <laughs> Run away! The mistress uses uh, Fubuki's flunkies as a distraction while she escapes. And Tornado decides to just whip the horde of her followers into a building. Uh, and then gets up to, into a back and forth with her sister. Her sister's like, why did you do that? I told you not to attack them. Don't and she's kill like, my dudes. <laughs> and she's like, I barely attacked. And the entire time, Tornado is drawn like super oddly. Like kind of chibi, but not fully chibi. It's really weird. She's always a little chibi. Yeah, I don't know. It's bizarre. And like Saitama, Tornado says that the followers are only a weakness to her. So I guess this is like this moment of awakening of maybe Fubuki's going to start to get rid of the flunkies and just fight for herself. We shall see. Hey, we're back to the fighting tournament. It looks like... Fighting tournament! Yeah, Shuri Ryu's gonna take on Snake by Snake in round two. Uh, we get a series of kind of cool flash... And this this time they're from the perspective of Snake by Snake, uh, who apparently was one... We find out was one of the first ever heroes. Yep. Like, he's been around for a while. Uh, he was part of, like, some of the originals that, like, were part of the association. He's a Silver Age hero. Yeah, pretty much. Um, however... We also then see a flash of, like, a lot of his defeats, not only to, like, Saitama and Genos, but to um, Deep Sea King. A lot of Deep Sea King in this episode. He looms a wet shadow over the... (laughs) Over the city? Yep. Basically kind of showing him losing in all those later season one fights. A wet shadow looming moist over the city. Gross. (laughs) And he's having a mental crisis here. And as part of this mental crisis, he says, you know, essentially... Should the Hero Association even exist if there are people more powerful than we are? And and I guess maybe I want to pose that question to you a little bit. Like, this thematic question that runs throughout this season so far. We've seen a lot of things that are much more powerful than heroes. Does that mean that, like, cynically, Snek is right? Or do you think that that's the whole point behind heroes, is that they should face adversity? Let me point it out here. We have a... The Hero Association is a official force it's not like there's some vigilante weirdness so should we have a police force even though there are people out there who are better fighters than police 
Okay, fair. Or they're better better marksmen than police. Okay, that's that's true. Um, I think on top of that, when you actually have, it's a hero association. Heroics right. is not about being the strongest or the toughest. It's about doing what's right. Yeah, it's about being there in the emergency to do what's right. Absolutely. So yes, I think there absolutely needs to be a a hero association. Okay. Also, I think having kind of from a more cynical point point of view, having some bit of control over who the heroes are and what they're doing is better than just letting them run roughshod over everything. Makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, uh, that kind of puts you on the Tony Stark side of things in Civil War. Yeah, but... yeah, I was kind of thinking that myself a little bit. But not entirely. I mean, more like the Avengers, where they have a government liaison, they... Even Watchmen, I suppose, you could kind of make that Watchmen's a good, a good, a good comparison to that, too, absolutely. Back to the fight, Ryu banters about, like, the pay that he could receive if he joined the heroes. He's like, you know, I've already fought a Class A hero, and I hear they get paid really well. And he's like, nah, I don't want to actually do any work. <laughs> right, because if he does that, he's going to have to do things. Yeah, he's got to do things, and that's not yep. who he is. Snek then just straight up asks him, like, how could someone with no purpose be as strong as you are? And I, the, the response is just, it's it's crazy. He says, I don't know, maybe I'm just just talented. And then he reveals he hasn't even trained in several years. Essentially saying, like, my mentor and I just hung out. <laughs> we just hung out, listened to records, smoked a lot of weed. Like, you know, I didn't really, <laughs> didn't really do anything of substantial. Which kind of shoots my thought process in the head about uh, Saitama, because he truly believes in what he's doing. He works out. He thinks he's working out really hard. Right. I mean, he's not, but he thinks no. he is. No. And Shuri Ryu may be actually working out quite a bit harder than Saitama, uh-huh. thinking he's not really doing that much. Totally. Kind of mirrored in that way. Mm-hmm. So Ryu throws the question back at Snek, essentially like saying, like, so how are you even a, a superhero? Like, you're not even powerful. And I'm just like, ouch, like, poor Snake Bite Snack. I feel really bad for him in this scene. Still being, you know, bottom of class A is pretty good. I'd say so. But apparently not to Ryu. Uh, Ryu says, heroes are no heroes. Those who are going to survive will survive. Monsters are no monsters. Natural selection will weed out the weak. So he's a little eugenicy, too. He is. Yeah. A little bit. So we cut to some chaos. There's a building where lights go down, the hospital's being evacuated to the roof. Um, prisoners are being forced to take up bricks and other things to fight as monsters are breaking into all kinds of places. Speaking of which, we get this really fucking scary scene in the jail with this cat man with a long face and really big eyes, and he's looking for Purry Purry Prisoner. And Prisoners, of course, already broke out to fight, but, like, it's just a really creepy monster, and I want to see more of this monster because he scares the shit out of me. The one thing Piri Puri Prisoner is scared of. Pussy. Pussy. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, and then we get a shot of... I guess of that's a... why you're freaked out, too. That's, you know, that's fair. Uh, we get a shot of a single kick from Ryu as he wins his fight, and we get a shot... Uh, a shot. I almost said a shit. Actually, we do get a shit. It's Saitama <laughs> pooping uh, as the crowd pops. <laughs> And then we get our end theme. But we're not done. Never are. We have a post credit scene, which I'm going to remember to talk about, which I didn't talk about in episode 16, but that's fine. Um, we get mo- a monster reporting in to the Monster Association. 
And during the talk, apparently we learned that a monster named Goketsu is headed for the martial arts tournament to cause some trouble. Um, he's defeated Genos. Um, we also see shots of uh, a beaten metal bat, obviously from earlier. And then a, and then a big surprise out of left field, Metal Knight has suddenly been like destroyed too. Like it been taken out of commission. We should probably explain that somehow. Yeah, but they don't. Well, we should probably explain where he is somehow. <laughs> Dead. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We get two more shots. One that I alluded to earlier, of the monster giving the report, who has nipples for arms. Or arms for nipples. <laughs> nipples <not laughs> that nipples. is... Not nipples for arms. Nipples... Uh, arms for nipples. <laughs> That's... Not super helpful. <laughs> Still better than nipples for arms. <laughs> the second thing we get is a shot of this big, giant, red monster that has giant maws coming out of all of his bodies, like parts of his body. More useful. More useful. And his name is Monster King Orichi. That's a cool design. It's a weird design. Because it's like not even it. like maws coming out of his body. It's like his joints are all jaws. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like Mr. Lordy's like gloves and yes. elbow pads and stuff. It's freaking weird. And yeah, that's that's it. That's the end of episode uh, 17, which is titled The Monster Uprising. Uh, so thoughts on the episode. I'm going to start. I think the uh, this episode has hit that problem that we saw, I think, in the middle of season one that I had with it, where we're kind of jumping around a lot, and uh, some things are given so little time that it seems like okay, great. Like, could you have could you have cut that to maybe give us a little more of something else? I got a little fatigue, and, and maybe some of it was just you know having to write the notes for this episode too. But like, I definitely got a little fatigue watching this particular episode. Um, it's not one of my favorites overall. I, you know, we we I can only handle so much of like the Saitama toilet shtick and the not paying attention shtick and the one punch shtick until like I want to see him actually get challenged, which I think is when the show like gets really interesting. Is when we get to those like last few episodes where he actually has a challenge. Or it looks like you could kind of wonder, like, could he be in for something a little bit tough? Yeah, is this where the setup pays off? Yeah, and when we we're, we're kind of in this weird limbo too, in my opinion, of like these monsters. Like, yeah, we got all these monsters, and like we're introduced to so many monsters, and then we have to be introduced to so many, you know, uh, fighters. Like taking them on, like a lot of them we already know, but but it's all over the place. Like it's in season one, it was okay. I felt like because they're all against one, they're all the superheroes against one big bad. Yes. And that was kind of cool. But like here, it's like, we're jumping, we're jumping, we're jumping, we're jumping. And then it's like, oh, uh, Metal Knight is randomly taken down for some reason. And like, you know, you're, you're kind of left and going like, I don't really, I can't follow everything. And that, that's a critique I have, I think, of this, of this particular episode. I wanted things to be a little more succinct, a little more clear. I, I'm kind of getting a little over all the jumping around. And I think you probably wouldn't notice it as much, like you said, if we weren't taking notes. Yeah, um, I found that in some of our previous seasons also, where I could watch the episode and it was fine. Maybe it's kind of forgettable, but it is what it is. But when you're documenting yeah. every second of, um, I found that with Gurren Lagann and with Excel Saga a lot. Oh, Excel Saga was a always like. Well, they were those were huge reviews. Yeah, and you're, and you're rewinding like, what the fuck did she just say? 
Like, yeah. I love you, Jessica Calvello, but damn, like, like, I can't understand any of it. Yeah, the structure of the show makes it hard to yeah. take apart. Absolutely. Did you have anything to add as far as your thoughts on the episode, though? I think you kind of hit it on the head. Like, I don't hate it, but we do jump around, and that's sort of a, a weakness of this format. Of you've got to get the main character out of the way, yeah. and so he is off doing something goofy. So we have at least two parallel stories running, if not more. A lot in this episode. Yep. And I think, like you said, mid-season, last season, same thing. There was kind of a dip of, we're setting up so much stuff, some of these episodes are just sort of nothing but that. The tournament will come to a close soon here. Absolutely. And then everything will come to a head, and I think it will be a lot better. But yeah, I mean, it. I'm not like, I hate this, but you, know, you watch it, you're done with it. You know, you move exactly. on. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, yeah, so that's episode 17, the or sorry, 18 rather, The Monster Uprising. Uh, and then uh, next week it's episode 19, which is the Class S Heroes. That will be one of my episodes. It will indeed. Uh, but until then, it's time for us to say adieu. Hey, Bill, whenever you're ready. Go ahead and take us out. I do. <laughs> I, I do indeed. <laughs> this has been Tuning Japanese, a podcast where two dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And I'm from the Giga Pro Wrestling League. I'm Bill. <laughs> and apparently, I'm just a scrub shouting out the side of my best friend's ride, trying to holler at people. I'm Andy. You want to sit in the passenger side of the rav? Let's do it. Let's go. I mean, we'll want to sit six feet apart. We'll figure out a why. Oh, wait, <laughs> and we will see you next time. I do. Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information, visit our website, tuningjapanese.com, like our Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, and follow our Twitter at tuningjapanese. You can also get a hold of the show by sending us an email at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube channel and our new series, Tuning RPG, by searching for Tuning Japanese or Tuning RPG on youtube.com. Please help support the show by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese to get all kinds of bonus content and help support the show monetarily. Seriously, be like these great patrons. Superfan Matt, Brian Nash, and Cameron Baer. How'd it go? Did you win? What the hell? Are you saying you didn't watch the match? I had a valiant victory! I was in the bathroom. You're hopeless.